reading is from the second book of Maccabees. Now I beseech those who shall read this book, they, they be not shocked at these calamities, but that they consider the things that happen, not as being for the destruction, but for the correction of our nation. For it is a token of great goodness when sinners are not suffered to go on in their ways for a long time, but are presently punished. For not as with other nations, whom the Lord patiently expects, that when the day of judgment shall come, he may punish them in the fullness of their sins. Not so does he deal with us, so as to suffer our sins to come to their height, and then take vengeance on us. And therefore, he never withdraws his mercy from us. But though he chastises people with adversity, he forsakes them not. But let this suffice in a few words for a warning to the readers. Now we come to the narrative. Eliezer, one of the chief of the scribes, a man advanced in years and of a comely countenance, was pressed to open his mouth to eat swine's flesh. But he, choosing rather a most glorious death than a hateful life, went forth voluntarily to the torment. And considering in what manner he was come to it, patiently bearing, he determined not to do any unlawful thing just because he loved his life. But they that stood by, being moved with wicked pity for the old friendships they had enjoyed with the man, taking him aside, desired that the flesh of the swine might be brought. But that other flesh, which was lawful for him to eat, may be substituted, that he might make as if he had eaten that which was forbidden, as the king had commanded the flesh of the sacrifice that by so doing he might be delivered from death and for the sake of their old friendship with the man, they did him this courtesy. But he began to consider the dignity of his age and his ancient years and the inbred honor of his gray beard and his good life and conversation from childhood and he answered without delay, according to the ordinances of the holy law made by God, saying, 
that we'd rather be sent forth to the other world. For it doth not become our age, said he, to dissemble, whereby many young persons might think that Eliezer, at the age of fourscore and ten years, was gone over to the life of the heathens. And so they, through my dissimulation, and for a little time of a corruptible life, should be deceived. Hereby I should bring a stain and a curse upon my old age. For though for the present time I should be delivered from the torments and the punishments of men, yet should I not escape the hand of the Almighty, neither alive nor dead. Therefore, by departing manfully out of his life, I shall show myself worthy of my old age. And I shall leave an example of fortitude to young men, if with a ready mind and constancy, I suffer an honorable death for the most venerable and most holy laws. And having spoken thus, he was forthwith carried to execution. And they that led him had been a little while before mild with him, were changed to wrath for the word that he had spoken, which they thought were uttered out of arrogance. But when he was now ready to die with the stripes, he groaned and said, O Lord, who hast the holy knowledge, who knowest manifestly that whereas I might be delivered from death, I suffer grievous pains in body, but in soul am well content to suffer these things because I fear thee. Thus did this man die, leaving not only to young men, but to the whole nation, the memory of his death for an example of virtue and fortitude. This is the word of the Lord. The church, beloved in the Lord, received from the Old Testament literature two accounts of the sufferings and death of Eliezer, an old man of great integrity who suffered martyrdom during the persecution of the Jews in the early second century before Christ. This chapter we read tonight from chapter six of second Maccabees, and also in fourth Maccabees, three whole chapters, five, six, and seven. We're not the only ones that venerate Eliezer. The Jews still do too, by the way. He's, he's very much a Jewish saint. During that awful period from 167 to 164 BC, 
the oppressive Seleucid government at Antioch, abetted by an apostate priesthood in Jerusalem itself, attempted to impose a radical cultural reformation on the Jews, attempting to turn them into Hellenistic pagans. The persecuting king, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, began by sacking the city, killing thousands, and sending, selling thousands more into slavery. He then provoked the people with the pollution of their holy sites and religious institutions, even erecting an altar to Zeus within the Holy of Holies. Sounds very familiar. It sounds extremely familiar. When the people thus provoked react with reaction and shock and indignation, Antiochus retaliated with cruelty. His persecution was violent and remorseless. The Jews were compelled under penalty of death to partake of the pagan sacrifices, to violate the kosher laws that identified them as Jews. Women were executed for circumcising their infant sons. Those who refused to violate the Sabbath were murdered. Others, we are informed, were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. During this terrible time, some devout Jews, in order to survive in their fidelity to God, went out into the wilderness, wandering about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Now, one of those that did not flee was the old man Eliezer, described as one of the chief scribes, a man advanced in years. It's a marvelous story. How does an old man react when the entire world offers him absolutely no hope whatsoever. To humiliate this man, his tormentors forced pork into his mouth, knowing this food to be forbidden to the Jews. When he refused to eat it, he was led away for execution. But then the old man's old, own captors 
being friendly to him and taking pity on his venerable years, pleaded with Eliezer to eat some other food and only pretend to be eating pork, thereby sparing his life. He refused. Now notice this. If he did this, he would not be violating the Torah. That's what they're doing. They're appealing to his conscience. He would not be violating the Torah. He would be dissimulating. But he would not be violating the Torah. Why not? Why not do this? It's worth reviewing the reason for Eliezer's refusal because it takes, takes us to a deeper dimension of the expression cynicis, cynicis, which means conscience, conscience. This old man knew that the importance, he knew the importance not only of being good, but also of appearing to be good. That is as important as being good. That looking good is as important as being good. Why? He realized that the appearance of wrongdoing can be very, every bit as morally destructive as wrongdoing itself. It should be obvious that scandal can result from a misunderstanding as easily as from a fact. Now, occasionally, we can't do anything about that. Sometimes we're put in circumstances where it's just we can't do anything about it. People must simply draw their own conclusions because there's not a thing we can do. But when we deliberately cause a misunderstanding, then we're responsible for whatever evils come from that misunderstanding. Why? Because we are, we are essentially social beings. Long before John Donne pronounced on the fact, Eliezer knew that no man is an island. No man is an isolated moral being. Man's moral responsibility is coextensive with his social nature. It is insufficient for anybody to keep his conscience pure before a God and let the rest of the world go to hell. That is irresponsible. And God won't have it. Because of the social responsibilities that are part of his own being, it is imperative that a man's conscience should consider always the moral advantage of other human beings. Not just what I want and I have a right to, I 
how this affects other people. You see, beloved, none of us goes either to heaven or to hell by himself. No man in this world, even a hermit, is responsible solely for himself. We're not responsible for everybody. We're responsible for a, more than ourselves. Family, first of all, but others as well. This essential aspect of human conscience is what Henri Bergson called le moi social, the social me. Man's social nature, however, is exercised through his body, including his senses. In their relationship with one another, human beings depend on phenomena, how things seem, as much as facts, how things are. Man's moral responsibility, therefore, includes also a reasonable stewardship of appearances. As I say, sometimes it can't be helped. Sometimes it can't be helped. But when it can be helped, it must be helped. Man cannot escape the social responsibility. It pertains to his very nature. Every little baby in this parish knows his mother before he knows himself. That's, that's, we've known that for a long time. We're aware of somebody else before we're aware of ourselves. Venerable Eliezer appreciated this truth. He knew that before the judgment seat of the Almighty, he was responsible not only for his own integrity, but for the well-being of those who saw him. He had to take care not only of his integrity, but his appearance of integrity. He thought of the spiritual and moral welfare of those who knew him, who looked to him, and especially those who looked up to him. And he strove to sustain their own conscience in a very difficult hour, even the cost of his own life. Eliezer would not fudge. He lived in dreadful and drastic times, times when everything seemed to be falling apart when the center was not holding. The kingdom of God will not sustain fudging in such a time. In this measure, therefore, Eliezer's martyrdom expressed his fidelity not only to God's law, but also to God's people. This is why the Orthodox Church has a feast day Eliezer and the other Maccabean martyrs. Man has a social conscience that God placed in his soul when he created him as a human being. 
Amen.